Hi, I'm Tom. I'm Sean. And we are the Yankee Clippers. Uh, the reason why we pick Yankee Clippers for this podcast name is because it's the only team that the both of us can agree upon. We're both diehard Yankees fans. So uh, on this podcast, we'll probably be talking about the Yankees. Sorry to interrupt. It's episode 100. We've hit the century mark. Tom, a lot's changed, and a lot hasn't. What's including up, buddy? Including our name, my friend. Including our name. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 100. We are. We have hit the century mark. Uh, at the beginning, you heard episode one. Uh, that was recorded in a library in without mics. A town near us, over an iPhone. Um, thanks, everybody. That's been with us along the way than our than our listeners um and big shout out to our three guests that we've had on so far uh that would be will smith the first guest as well as the first guest co-host that's right that's my guy right there obviously my cousin um another guy that we had on was obviously your partner in crime i'll call him that that's what we'll leave it at mike french mike french thanks buddy uh, a lot of help with the NFL draft. Couldn't have done it without you. Yes, thank you for that. Um, and then the last guy is obviously Mike Phillips, who's been writing for our website, which came along a little bit after we had the um, after we had the podcast. That's Mike Phillips. Some big shout out to him. Everybody, go listen to Just and the Suffering. We'll give him a little bit of a free plug there as well. Um, and yeah, here it is, a hundred uh, on a fucking glorious day. Well. It was going to have to happen at some point, and what a better time than our 100th episode. Um, sometimes we, when we're compiling show notes and talking about what we want to discuss, sometimes it's a little barren on the sports calendar, or we have to kind of fish for discussions and conversation, but yeah, today's not that day. Um, there's a lot I want to say, but there's also I want a lot I want to listen to. And we're not breaking any news. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and DeAndre Jordan are going to the Brooklyn Nets. They are not going to the New York Knicks. The rise of the Nets is imminent. It's in full swing. The Knicks are in rebuild mode. I'll say my piece later, but I'd rather hear from the CEO of Sorry Sports right now. Tom, floor is yours, sir. Why don't we look back? Why don't I give you a recap of the last 20 years of the Knicks, Okay. So, let's start off with the fact that when I was young, uh, I was a young buck back then, 2000, they trade Patrick Ewing to the Seattle Supersonics a year after they go to the NBA Finals, right? So, this was a chance at a rebuild. We've been rebuilding ever since, by the way. So, they go on and... They blow that up after having Allen Houston and Camby and a few others by trading for Antonio McDice. They trade the pick that eventually became Amari Stoudemire. And then they went out further along my little history lesson here. They went out and got him after when he didn't have any good knees and his own fucking team wouldn't even offer him the money that the Knicks offered him. And then after that, they go all in on Stefan Marbury, where 
The Timberwolves got rid of him. The Nets got rid of him. The Phoenix Suns got rid of him. Because he couldn't win. Following that, they go out and they get a big man, Eddie Curry. Eddie fucking Curry. Okay? We're not talking about Hakeem Olajuwon here. Eddie Curry, who had heart problems, was always overweight, and never, ever, ever lived up to his potential ever. Okay? Following that, after a few years of that fucking garbage, and Jamal Crawford, who was supposed to be a superstar, great sixth man, not a fucking superstar, and you get Nate Robinson, that was fun. You have your Lynn Sanity moment. That was fun for two weeks, but that's not a fucking playoff team. You go and you sign Amari Stoudemire. And this will come full circle, I promise you. It'll come full circle on episode 100. You sign Amari Stoudemire to a deal that his own team wouldn't offer him because they knew that he had half a season left before both of his legs fell off of his goddamn motherfucking body. And you offer him a four-year max because you didn't get LeBron, because you didn't get D-Wade, because you didn't get Chris Bosh, okay? Then you go out and you trade the entire fucking farm for Carmelo Anthony. I was cool with the deal. Matter of fact, Mike D'Antoni was actually at a high school basketball game that I was, I was in the same gym as him. The day that Carmelo was traded and the entire crowd was chanting, mellow, mellow, that was all cool. You mortgaged your entire future for Carmelo Anthony, and you built nothing around him. You put you put a broken down Amari Sotomayor next to him, a Jeremy Lin. Who else? Can you name another player, Sean? I cannot. Yeah, you can't. They okay. traded David Lee. They traded uh, Wilson Chandler. Danilo um, Gallinari. Yep, Gallo, who's probably the best of the as of well those three. as a few lottery picks. All right, so let's fast forward a little bit, okay? So then the Knicks are duking it out and in the playoffs with Mello, and they lose to the Pacers because of Roy Hibbert. Oh, we got to get a big man to pull him away from the basket. By the way, like two years later, Roy Hibbert's not even in the fucking league because it's not a big man's league. If you're a big man, you have to be Anthony Davis to play in this league. Who do they get? Who do they trade a fucking first-round pick for? Andre fucking Bargnani. Former number one overall pick. A decent stats guy, but you don't trade that. You 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 don't. You just fucking don't. Okay. He didn't. He had a cup of coffee with the Knicks. All right. Let's fast forward. What do you do after all this? And I'm sure I'm missing stuff because there's seven million other things that happened in the last twenty years. Much less the last fucking fifty since the last time this team has won a championship back in 1973. Okay. So, what's gonna save it? There's people actually picketing and rioting outside of Madison Square Garden. Who's our savior? The second greatest coach in NBA history, in my opinion, behind Red Auerbach, Phil Jackson. Phil fucking Jackson. You took, you took the best coach in the, his, in, the, in the last 30 years in the NBA, and you made him a fucking executive. He's not a coach. He said he's not coaching the fucking team, okay? He's an executive. What does Phil do? All right, I'll give him credit. He drafted Chris Ups Porzingis fourth after the players that he wanted, Julio Okafor, barely in the league, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, who are all-stars, are off the board. 
I'm not going to give him too much credit there. What else does he do? He signs Carmelo Anthony, who he all of a sudden didn't want to sign, but Joel Dolan jumped on top of the fire, signs Carmelo Anthony to a massive five-year max, which in my opinion was the only mistake there because I think trading for him was a good move at the time. So they sign Melo to the max. They lock him up. You sign Joakim Noah. By the way, before this, Chauncey Billups was signed and amnestied when you could have amnestied fucking Tyson Chandler, who's another guy that you threw a ton of money at. Well, no, he amnestied Billups so he could get Chandler. That, yeah, whatever. Whatever, dude. Whatever. Just helping you out. Thank you. Uh, Sometimes I need a little help, especially days like today. And days like yesterday. I'm here for you. Thank you. Fuck you. Um, so where was I? Oh. So. You get a Joakim Noah. Who is partying like there's no fucking tomorrow. Kudos to the guy. I mean, your parents are stars. Tennis stars. You're a good looking guy. Live it up. But this guy doesn't care about fucking basketball anymore. He's not the third in the MVP voting anymore. And you go out and get Joakim Noah, and you sink a three-year deal into him, I believe it was. Am I right? Three. And then following that, right before James Dolan, you give him the fucking boot. You let Phil Jackson make a lottery pick. You know how many lottery picks the Knicks have had in the past few years? Not many. Because somehow they haven't been bad enough to where... They've had lottery picks. So you let Phil Jackson make a lottery pick and take Frank Nilakina before who did the Knicks want? Who did some of the front office want? Donovan fucking Mitchell, a future all-star possible MVP candidate in this league. You take Frank Nilakina, who can barely get in the lineup on a team that finished with the worst record in the league. Then you give Phil the boot. Okay, so then following that up, We're talking about the summer of 2019. We're in the present now, okay? I I fast-forwarded this 20-year thing because, one, I didn't want to harm myself. Two, I didn't want to bore anybody on episode 100. And for the Knicks fans out there listening to us... I think everyone's enjoying this, but go ahead. For the Knicks fans out there listening to us, I didn't want them to be miserable either, right? (sighs) So, then you go ahead and... You promise everybody. You fucking say, oh, we're... You trade Chris Stubbs Porzingis. Right? What was it? Halfway through the season? Yeah, it was like right before the deadline. You trade Chris Stubbs Porzingis halfway through the season. And you say, oh, well, we wanted to get another max spot. We wanted to get all these assets and another max spot. Because the summer of 2019 is... It's only half a year away. It's here. We're already in 2019. Happy New Year, everybody. And we know we're getting two max And guys. we're getting Kevin Durant and we're getting Kyrie Irving, right? Or, or two maxes, whoever. Whoever it may be. You promise us that. And then yesterday rolls around. After, after tanking and after, by the way, the Good Vibes Tour was running fucking rampant. I, was, I, I bit my tongue. The fucking New York Giants drafted whoever the... uh, Daniel Jones. Are you fucking kidding me? That's a laughingstock. That's a joke. And I bit my fucking tongue. I wanted to fucking... Not as much as you think. I wanted to laugh in your face. Stop crying over here. You're wearing a Brooklyn Nets sleeveless jersey. You're a grown man. Put a t-shirt on. Nah, I'm good. It's disgusting. I'm good. I don't want to see the tops of your arms. It's disgusting. Uh, But let me move on. I digress. So... 
you then promise me. You promise me and all the other Knicks fans, James Dolan, I'm talking to you. You piece of shit. I said it. You promise everybody that this is the summer, okay? And then yesterday, Sunday, 6 p.m. rolls around. It's June 30th. The NBA moved up their free agency by, I don't know, six hours. I thought it was a really good move for the NBA, side note, because it got things cooking a little bit earlier. We Now, we knew Kyrie was going to Brooklyn. I don't know what the Knicks fucked up there. Kyrie's a weird guy. Fine. But my guy, Kevin Durant, he's still coming to the Knicks, right? I said so. You owe me 20 bucks, by the I way. I do. But we'll talk I about do. that later. I got you. I got you. You know my Venmo. It's a happy $20. It's the happiest 20 bucks of your life. Then, right before 6 p.m., the chirpers start happening. I'm watching the jump. I want to jump out the fucking window. <laughs> and you hear Kevin Durant signs with New York. But he signs with the fucking Brooklyn Nets. Okay? And he says, and he tweets out a video saying that he would never sign with the Knicks. And then he puts up a Biggie song and Sean got goosebumps on his hairy ass fucking back that I can see right now because he's wearing a sleeveless Darren Williams. My shoulders and arms look fucking phenomenal. You're embarrassed. Okay. And then you know what happens? The icing on the cake. You know what happens, Sean? The Knicks get in touch on the jump with who is the reporter aside from Woj? The chick. The oh, Ramona Shelburne? Ramona Shelburne. And Ramona reports that the Knicks didn't even want to offer him the max. Oh, we didn't offer him the max. So you ask the girl to prom, and then you say, well, she's a slut. Oh, sorry. We don't want to slut shame up. She's ugly. I don't, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to prom with her anyways. Fuck her. I'm going to go by myself with my boys. With my boys Julius Randle and Wayne Ellington and fucking Bobby Portis fucking you you got to be kidding me so not only do you have to do do you not sign KD you lose that which every time there's a free agent LeBron the only star you've gotten is via trade in the last couple years and that was fucking Carmelo because KP you you drafted every time we strike out this is supposed to be the mecca and it's and it's a dumpster fire that's what it's the dumpster fire of New York on 34th Street I believe that's the street it's on. I don't know. I can't remember. You have the audacity to say that you weren't going to offer him a max. You offered Amari Stoudemire a max when the, when literally the Phoenix Suns were like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know if he's going to get through the year. You offer him a fucking max and you can't offer Kevin Durant, whose own team was begging him to come back, offering him a max. Which every other team in the league was offering him a fucking max. He's the best player in the league. He's a top 15 player of all time. This isn't Amari Stoudemire, who might not even make the Hall of Fame. Are you fucking kidding me? You have the audacity to talk to us like we're stupid. At the very least, you should say we offered him a max and he didn't take it. We gave we gave 110%. But no, in typical Knicks fashion, you're not even in the fucking New York. You're based in fucking New York and you're in L.A. to have a meeting with Julius Randle. Worry about Julius Randle tomorrow. How about that? 
Worry about the best fucking player in the goddamn league. Because if you were telling me you were there to meet with Kawhi, okay, what's fair is fair. You're going to tell me that you were in LA to meet with Julius Randle when Kevin Durant is in New York and he wants a fucking meeting and you won't even offer him a max because you won't because he won't let you see the medicals. You know what the medicals are. I can tell you what the medicals are. He tore his fucking Achilles three weeks ago and it's going to take a year and a quarter for him to be healthy again. I know that and I don't, I'm not plugged in. It's going to take that long. But it's fucking Kevin Durant. This isn't fucking Amari Stoudemire who you offered the deal. This isn't even D'Angelo Russell. This isn't Kyrie Irving. This is Kevin Durant. The best player in fucking basketball. One of the most unique and best scorers of all time. And you can't even offer him a max. And what are you going to tell me now? That Giannis is a free agent in 2021? Just wait for him? That fucking Zion's a a free agent in 2027? Just wait for him? That fucking Cole Anthony, who's not even in the league right now, he's going to be a free agent soon, so wait for him. That fucking Zaire Wade, who's not even in high school yet, are you going to wait for him? Or he's not even fucking LeBron's son? Fucking Jason Tatum just had a baby. What, are you going to tell me to wait for him to become a free agent? Oh, you're going to get him? I'm about to have, uh, maybe I'll have a kid in five years. Are you going to fucking wait for him? I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. And I'm happy with the deals in a vacuum. You know, you were texting me and you said you should be happy with these deals. And you're right. They're not locking themselves into anything long term. And and they, they they made smart deals. They kept the cap space available. They have some ex, they, they have these contracts that they can trade if a good player becomes available. But no, I'm not happy. I'm 16 years old. And since I was fucking 10 years old. Actually, you know what? No, since I was came out the womb, my dad promised me that he was going to buy me a fucking brand new Mercedes, right? He promised me he was going to buy me a brand new S550 Mercedes. That's what Kevin Durant is. He's a $120,000 car. And you know what my dad pulled up with on my 16th fucking birthday? A 1998 Toyota Celica with a little bit of rust on the fucking side. Okay? Now, in a vacuum, yeah, it's a car. Yeah, it'll get me from point A to point B. I'm 16. I probably don't deserve a Mercedes. But my dad's been telling me since fucking birth that I'm going to have a Mercedes. Where's my fucking Mercedes, James Dolan? Where is it? I'm done. I'm done. Episode 100, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm done. That was even better than I thought it was going to be. That was awesome. Um, No one can argue with a single word you said. Um, Your history lesson was really good. Um, I'd like a little bit more credit on my physique. Uh, my shoulders and arms look damn good. Um, I'm happy to wear this jersey, even though it's a Darren Williams jersey. I hope this era turns out better than that one. Uh, at the time, it seemed like a good purchase. Um, no. Everything you said was 100% right. And no, you should not be happy with any of the moves that the Knicks have made. I said, listen... At least they're not turning right around and giving Jimmy Butler the max or signing, you know, Tobias Harris and nobody else for the max. They're signing, you know, freaking Taj Gibson and Julius Randle and Reggie Bullock and Bobby Portis and Wayne Ellington and Alfred Payton. These are all supporting guys who don't have a deal past two years. I think Randle's 
two years guaranteed with a player option for a third. Everyone else is a two-year deal with a or a one-year deal, basically with a player option for a third, I like or, a t- or a team I, option I, for the I, second. I like Randall. I'm gonna enjoy watching. No, no, no. Play. He's real good. He's a good and, young core they got. Yeah, and and that's what I'm trying to say is. But here's the problem. Go okay? for it. Yeah, yeah. Here's the problem. And everybody can say they're doing what the Nets did a few years back, and look at the Nets now. It's not the same. It's not the same. And you want to know what? I don't trust the front office. They're going to fuck it up. Well, That's the, the, the difference, too, is the Nets really didn't have a choice. They had to take not bad to mention, contracts. The Nets built something from nothing. Literally. They yeah, built they didn't have draft picks, and they took other people's garbage. Nothing. Yeah, they took other people's garbage and turned them into assets. I mean... You know, no better example of that is Justin Hamilton for Damari Carroll and the second round pick that turned out to be Rodion's Kurooks. I mean, um, that's one of the best deals you can make if you're in that kind of situation. But I digress. For the Knicks, I I'm not going to be a fraud. I picked. I even said on our podcast yesterday, our Weed Up podcast, that Kevin Durant was going to be a Nick. I really felt like once the dust settled and all these rumors finally went away he was going to announce that he was going to sign with the Knicks and the only reason I thought that was it just made too much sense and it didn't seem like he really gave a shit about what Kyrie was doing about what other people were doing it didn't really seem to matter um I had been saying though for the last couple months and you yelled at me when we did a podcast, I think it was two or three weeks ago. It might have been during the finals. I Stop was talking about the Nets. You're being a fanboy. I'm like, listen, I'm not saying anything. This is starting to become loud noise from ESPN, from The Ringer, from NBA TV, from a lot of different sources that this could happen. And when they traded Tor- or for Torian Prince and got rid of Alan Crabb's contract on June 6th, two weeks before the draft, almost a month before free agency, I was like, all right, they clearly know something because you don't make this kind of move this soon. And once I got a pretty strong idea that Kyrie was coming, I was still like, okay, if the rumors of Katie and Kyrie playing together are true, then he's coming. But I could still see him just saying, you know what, the Knicks are the Knicks, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna win here. Listen, man, I said this in the winter. I've said this to you off the air, maybe on the air. I've said this to a lot of other people, especially friends of mine who are Knicks fans. This era of players doesn't care about. Madison Square Garden being their home court. They don't care about the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks haven't been relevant since the early 1990s, mid-1990s. These guys who are playing now were infants or young children. This history, all they've known is sucking and being an embarrassment and being a disgrace to themselves and the league and their fans. I don't know if the injury to KD changed anything, but everything that came out today, Bleacher Report had a great article. I suggest everybody go read it. It was talking about how this came to fruition. Kyrie and KD decided before the year even started that they were going to play together in 2019. There was talks it could have been in Boston if Kyrie really loved it there, but there were talks he said, listen, I this is just not where I want to be. The Knicks were in discussion 
But according to this article that Bleacher Report posted and a lot of people who were plugged in and in the know and very close to both parties said the Knicks haven't been a consideration since maybe November. Everything that went wrong, the Dolan fiasco with kicking out a fan, um, the Porzingis trade, which I still think was smart. I mean, he's got this, we keep talking about it. He's got this rape case and a hearing. He's a guy who's been hurt his entire career. There's no guarantee, and he wanted out. So I don't think there's really anything you can do there other than trade it. I think they we said it at the time. You, you could have acquired more assets for him um, other than just dead cap space. But these guys know what they want. And as the Knicks decided that they were going to tank and give up and not care, Across the bridge, a team that had just as much justification in trying to tank and quit, who had their first first-round draft pick in about eight years, feels like eight years, decided with a gritty group of veterans, some young players, and a coach who doesn't know how to not go 100%, and a GM who doesn't know how to not go 100%, decided to go all in. And even when Karis LeVert went down, this team continued to push, and they became a playoff team. And yeah, they were a six seed that was dispatched pretty quickly in five games in the first round. But what that did was that put them on the map, and everybody who was looking at a destination was saying, why in the hell would we not go here? That's a 42-win team out of nowhere. And everything that they've done has been right. We underestimated it. I, as a fan, underestimated it. We saw this happen in Golden State. Now, they did it through the draft. You know, Steph and Clay and Draymond help. Um, we've seen this happen in a lot of other franchises that have been dynasties. You just need to have a good culture, a good feeling, and that's what these free agents want, especially ones who have been there and done that and want to stamp their legacy. The Brooklyn Nets in three years went from the absolute depths of the NBA world to here on July 1st, the best organization in the NBA. I can't believe that that happened. And What's the gut punch to the Knicks is it's one thing if this doesn't... It's one thing if you don't get them. It's one thing if they say, you know, fuck off, we're not coming. But to go to the second team in town, the Little Brothers, who were rotting in New Jersey, had to come to Brooklyn, experimented with a win-now scheme, paid dearly for it, were in the pits of hell, and came out in this while the Knicks have decided that they were going to continue to embarrass themselves to levels that, to be honest, I'm even still surprised with how they continue to make a mess of things. I don't know if this is more about the Knicks or the more about the Nets, but I'll say this right now. It's a combination of both. What does this mean for the Brooklyn Nets? This year, I think they're probably a six or five seed again. The East, especially if Kawhi returns to Toronto. Milwaukee had a really good day. We'll talk about them later. Philly. Philly had a really, really good day. I think they got even better. 
Toronto's got a nice core. If Kawhi comes back, they're the reigning champs and running it back. I like what everything Indiana did. The Nets are going to be a really good team this year. It's essentially the same team. You just add Kyrie, who's a better player than D'Angelo, and a Torian Prince, who's probably better than Damari Carroll. Other than that... DeAndre Jordan? Yeah, but again, <laughs> he's not going to start. That's the crazy thing. It's Jared Allen is going to be the starting center. But just as in terms of the real difference makers, it's kind of the same run, you know? Well, I think they're going to be a better team. The East got better. But I think they're going to be a better team just based off the fact that you're going to have a healthy Karis LeVert. And that's very, Yeah, they very might be a better team, but again, I, they might be a second-round team, but I don't look at them no. as a team that's one, two, three, four in the East. I can think of four teams better than that. Well, again, it, it, it all depends on what happens with Kawhi. But as of right now, if I'm under the assumption that Kawhi is going back, I picked him to go back. Brooklyn's probably the fifth-best team. But that wins you maybe a playoff series. And it definitely gets you into the playoffs again. I think there will be a little bit of an adjustment period with Kyrie and everybody fitting in. That's usually how it works. Um, But you're now talking about a team that, starting in 2020, is going to have three years where they're going to be the kings of the East. They're going to make a finals or two. They might win a finals or two. And what this does... I will be cutting that audio clip out. What this does... I will be saving that audio clip. Okay. I I, I agree with you, but I can't wait for this. What this move does transcends just wins and losses and titles and playoff appearances. What this does is it solidifies the Brooklyn Nets as a legitimate franchise in the NBA that for years will be a destination for free agents to go. And I think that's indelible. I think that's something that you can't even put a price on. Two of the best players in the entire yeah, league chose to go quit to the sucking. Brooklyn Nets. You're right. It's it's crazy, but just quit sucking. Quit sucking yourself. Oh, I'm not doing that. But <laughs> it's um it's 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 honestly amazing. The pants are off. We get it. No, that was last night. Um, with Mike, of course. Yeah, Mike wasn't home. He's um, a Knicks fan. <laughs> yeah, he was a Knicks fan. He Sorry, was no, buddy. He was in no mood, even if he was home. Shout out, Frenchie. Thanks for your help. <laughs> um, but no, it, it's it's really something that is to behold. You, you can't even, even as a Net fan, you can't you can't believe it. Um, uh, it's shocking. It's it's crazy. I'm glad you recapped so, their last their last you know, decade. Cause it's been, it's been really bad, but well, they, come listen, out on top. They, they, they ran it. They, they made their mellow move with Darren Williams. And in his two years in New Jersey, he was phenomenal. And it seemed like they found their guy. They go out and trade for a Joe Johnson. They go out and, or they have a Brooke Lopez and, you know, they were a four seed in their first year in Brooklyn and just, they lost a game seven at home to Chicago and it didn't feel like there was really a home court behind them. Eh, it's just they lost to a tougher team. They were the better team, but they lost to a tougher team. So they go out and they make the trade for Pierce and Garnett, which I wish this got talked about more. And just from somebody that watched all the games and and you know was a is a is a diehard fan, that trade was supposed to ju- they were supposed to be complementary pieces and give that nucleus a little bit more toughness and a little bit more grind and a little bit more experience. They weren't supposed to be the players that they were in Boston and even in Boston, let alone their heydays. 
um, you know, in the mid 2000s. But what happened was really the guy's jersey who I'm wearing right now. Darren Williams just up and quit on this team. And none of those picks that ended up being, we know the line, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, the list goes on and on and on. None of those picks would have been lottery picks if the Nets, even if their experiment with Pearson Garnett didn't work out. You still had a Darren Williams, who at a time was a top two or three point guard in the league. Brooke Lopez, who although now you just think of him as this three point bomber, was one of the best low post scoring centers in the league. And Joe Johnson, a legitimate scoring wing. That's a good young team, or that's a good team for a lot of good young players to want to go play for. Darren Williams quits, and they never recover, and they fall into the abyss, and they go through, you know, Avery Johnson gets fired, and Jason Kidd gets fired, and actually he decides to leave after one year. Yep, and then, you know, you bring in a Lionel Hollins, and that doesn't work out, and they sneak into the playoffs as an eight seed in 2015, and losing six games to the Hawks, and everything went to shit after that. And, you know, you're signing guys like Randy Foy and, and Louis Scola and just all, just a really dark, bad time. And you're seeing Boston just accumulate these picks that should be the nets and they can't rebound. And they take a chance on a D'Angelo Russell because they just have to take somebody with talent who maybe hasn't turned into anything yet. And, you take advantage of a poorly run organization in, in, in Los Angeles who is all ready to move on from a guy who was their second overall pick and just so they could get rid of Timothy Mozgov, who the Nets absorbed his erroneous contract. And you turn him into an all-star in two years. And, Not to mention you take... And you take you it to Mark. You buy late draft picks, which get you a, which get you a Karis Levert. Well, I was going to get to that. You trade a Thad Young to Indiana... And you get the rights to a Karis LeVert, who was a lottery pick type talent if he wasn't coming off a foot injury. Then, you know, you go out and you get a Damari Carroll from Toronto, whose career seemed done. Um, You take on his contract, they attach a first round pick and a second round pick. You, you know, you, you buy into the first round and take a Jared Allen out of Texas you sign a Trevor Booker who's good and then you end up shipping him off to Philly and you get a Jaleel Okafor and a Nick Stauskas and even though those moves didn't work out, you also are able to take advantage of a Cleveland Cavalier team that wants to get rid of Joe Harris so they can go out and sign guys and Joe Harris becomes the leading three-point shooter in the league this year. It's everything they did worked. I mean, even the guys they signed offer sheets to, I mean, Alan Crabb, you know, they wanted him. He signs back with Portland. They accumulate his contract. He was hurt this year, but he was a pretty solid player for the Nets, and they were able to use him as a collateral to to go and clear up that cap space that landed their second max slot this year. It's crazy how much happened in three years. You know, Rodion's Kirk, second-round pick, 40th overall, second-team all-rookie this year. It's not a mistake, and it's not an accident, I should say, when all of these things happen and all on down the line, they work. That's scouting. That's analytics. That's having an eye for the bigger picture. And that leads to a day like what happened yesterday. Now, let's talk about this on the court going forward. 
Kyrie wants to be a net. This is going to be the. We talked about this yesterday. We don't yeah, have to go too deep to into it again. It. He Kyrie's wants going to be. Kyrie is going to be good at least for the first. I say he'll be good for the first two years at least because KD will be back. He'll be reinvigorated if he's upset. I think this team first year looks like uh, probably like you said it right around the same, maybe a little bit better. Maybe they're maybe they're a four seed instead of what were they a six this year? Yeah, I I, I think that to be honest, dude, he's gonna be he's gonna be good because I think for the first time, and again these are just Instagram posts and nobody knows that he hasn't he hasn't played a game yet. He doesn't know the coaching staff. He hasn't done any of that shit, and he doesn't have a great history. But he it seems like in, he's. He didn't have an Instagram until yesterday. Would you make one just? No, to no, no, no. no. Bleacher Report's a good thing. Um, <laughs> he, uh, you know, he was talking about gushingly. Like this is the first place he's playing in his pro career where he really wants to be there. His family's here. He's from here. He grew up a Net fan. All that stuff gets talked about in hyperbole, and nobody knows how much that actually matters. But I think to a weird guy like Kyrie, that shit kind of does. We're going to find out, right? We're going to find out. I don't know, man. You just shouldn't be saying that shit. You should be happier in the NBA, period. Yeah, but again, I, I think that he seems like he's a guy who wants to be where he wants to be. Grew up a Net fan. If he signed with the Knicks, he grew up a Knicks fan. Come on. You heard the same thing with the Celtics. There's even a commercial. I mean, his dad tried out for the Celtics. But right. You know what? I'll, I'll, yeah. You know what? I'll keep the good vibes store going. <laughs> well, we'll again, transfer I, I, to the his Jets. history. His history hasn't been the best, and obviously we know that. And this is a risk. However, I'm willing to see a guy who's choosing the team he's going to for the first time in his career. You gotta say, you gotta be as positive. See what as it's you like. Can. And you then gotta, he's bringing in Kevin Durant who, although he won't be playing with him, will be on the sidelines and they'll be hanging out and he also wanted to be there. And then they bring in their buddy DeAndre Jordan, who's going to be a backup. And it seems like all of these guys chose the culture. Kyrie used the word infrastructure. Uh, Durant used the term culture. They know what they're getting themselves into. It's going to be their team. But they're walking into a already pretty good situation with a young nucleus like a Lavert and an Allen and a Dinwiddie. You've got Atkinson and Marks. They knew what they were getting themselves into. They didn't get traded here. This wasn't a Pierce and Garnett thing where it's like, hey, we're trading you here. You either retire or you play for the Nets. They voluntarily went here. They could have gone to the Knicks. They could have gone anywhere else. They chose the Nets. I'm going to use this and be positive about it. History will show. Kyrie Irving will either be Jason Kidd, who had character issues in Phoenix, and they were willing to dump for the younger point guard in Marbury. Kidd matures a little bit, leads a great young team of Kenyon Martin and Richard Jefferson to two straight finals. Or this is going to be Darren Williams, who decides that he just isn't that interested anymore, quits on the team, and, well, there you know, there you go. You got to take your chance sometimes. Am I right? You're absolutely right. Kyrie's worth the chance too, because you said it yesterday. He can be a top five player in the league when, when he's cooking. Um, but looking ahead to the short future, you and I both agree, the Nets are a five seed, four four or five seed next year. Nothing to shake a stick at. I'll take that. Nope. And it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Kyrie is a very fun player to watch when he's good or even when he's bad. So. Congrats, man. I'm happy for you. Episode 100 is going to be your favorite episode. 
Um, people probably want to listen to me. That was off the dome. That was not written. That was oh, that just, was that was beautiful. That was from the heart. Um, I don't want to do that again. I always know I don't from want the to heart when again. you're throwing insults at me across the table. That I know is it's it's <laughs> authentic. That was that was tough. All right, let's take a look around the league because. So you mentioned real fast. You loved was, how they started at six yesterday. I don't think the NBA could have asked for a better situation. Nah, the, that was the craziest day. In the history of, I don't know, American sports. I mean, aside from maybe the OJ chase that in the Bronco and the white Bronco. And he wasn't playing then. The, um, I think, what, the NBA Finals was going on. The Knicks were in it, yeah, I Knicks, believe. It, it was Knicks-Rockets, yeah. Um, yeah, they lost that. By the <laughs> <way>. um, <laughs> all right, so let, let's go around the league because pretty much everything major happened yesterday aside from Kawhi signing and... There was a lot of curveballs. Want to say a big shout out to Matt Barnes yesterday on the jump for looking right in the camera. He does a great job, and he's a good looking guy, by the way. I, I never, I, I knew he was a good looking guy. I've seen him play a lot. Real good looking guy. Um, when he looked right into the camera and he said, "Dolan, sell the team." Man, that hit welcome, you hard. He's welcome on the pod any fucking anytime. Matt Barnes is getting a DM from Sorry Sports tonight. I'm sliding in. I'm waiting for it. Um, he did a great job. Hell of a job yesterday on the jump. Um, all right, the Bucks re-signed. I don't remember if we predicted Lopez to go back, but we definitely said Middleton was going to go back. They also re-signed Brooke Lopez, and they got Hill back as well. Did they? Not get... a Nick. I'm sorry for you. Uh no, I'm not. I'm not upset about that. <laughs> and they got Brooke's brother. Yeah, that's like. that's cool. That is cool. Robin Lopez will give you some good minutes off the bench, and he can play in the playoffs. I said Brooke was going to go to Golden State. Um, I thought that was going to be a really good fit, but I think this move makes Milwaukee again the one seed. Obviously, we're going to see what happens with Toronto, but you know, you're you're adding, you're you're keeping the supporting cast minus Brogdon, but you bring back Hill. To you got to best. I'm I'm worried about it just because Brogdon, I think, was. Such a huge player for them because, I mean, you talk about a guy that's a yin and a yang. That's Eric Bledsoe. He's a really good defensive point guard. I think he was on the all-defensive team this year. But one night he'll give you 22, and then the next night he'll give you two. Now, Brogdon hurts. Um, I just I don't know where they're going to replace that shooting as well as that defense and that playmaking. But maybe Giannis takes another step forward. I obviously am waiting on Kawhi like everybody else to see where he goes. Nobody knows anything. Nobody even knows who he's taking meetings with. So right now, obviously, I think the Bucks are still the one seed. Yeah, I, I like this. Uh, I like them running this back. I mean, obviously, Brogdon hurts. But to be honest with you, it's the Giannis show. Giannis is the MVP for a reason. Um, you got George Hill and Bledsoe in the backcourt. That's still a pretty good backcourt. You keep you keep Middleton. That was huge. Five year max. Um, Brooke Lopez coming back. Obviously, we saw what he did in Budenholzer system. That's that's a remarkable. A little vase to coach Bud. Maybe on a game where you're up 20, 15 before you take Lopez out. Let him post up a little bit. Just remind him what it's like because you could have used that in the playoffs. Yeah, you could have. I mean, he he's turned into a remarkable player there. Um, I think Robin Lopez, obviously totally different kind of player than his brother, but adds that defensive toughness and that good rebounding off the Maybe bench. Maybe Robin will remind his brother in practice what it's like to play in the post. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah, we'll see in practice. But I, I still I, think they're a one seed. 
Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna stick with them as the one. Um, Brogdon goes to Indiana, by the way. We'll talk about them in a minute. That's, that's a fun team. Cause that's a really good team. A thing that people aren't talking about a lot, and we need to remind it, although it feels like 10 years ago, right before the draft, they traded for TJ Warren, who's really good defensively. But we'll talk about them later. Moving on down the line, Kemba Walker. We already knew this was happening, so we don't really have to say much. But he officially made it, and the curveball here, or the, the the asterisk, additional, whatever, is that it was a sign and trade, and the Hornets get Terry Rozier back. So, I mean, this league is getting smarter and smarter. These teams are saying, I don't want to give up. I don't want to get, I don't want to give up something for nothing. Warriors did it. We're definitely going to talk about that later. And Terry Rozier is a nice player. They're overpaying him, but... I mean, you, you got to. something. Yeah, you, something you had to get some, you had to get a consolation prize, and and scary Terry is that consolation prize, right? I mean, yeah. I give Boston a lot of credit. We talked about this yesterday. He's just fits them like a glove, and the reason is predominantly more so than anything, he's the antithesis and the total opposite of Kyrie, and that experiment didn't work. And now you're bringing in somebody who's totally different, who. Um, you know, we saw him give that great send off via Twitter to um, to Charlotte and thanking them for everything. And he's just a stand up class act. He's a dog. He's be- you know Big East former you know player of the year and national championship at UConn. There's nothing to not like about this guy. He feels like a Boston guy. He feels like a guy that's going to win a couple of big games for them. The fans are going to love him. He's going to love it there. And and. Really good job by the Celtics making sure they pivoted from Kyrie because their offseason could have gone in a lot of different ways, and it seemed like it was trending down there for about a week. And then out of nowhere, Kemba emerges as the front runner for them, and and uh, I think they're, they're going to reap the benefits of that. Absolutely. So let's run down the line of some lesser signings before we jump into some of the big ones and finish up with those. Orlando brought back Vooch, uh, Terrence Ross, and they scoop up Al Farouk Amino. Um, I like all the deals they made. I think this makes them a little bit better than they were last year. They were an AC last year. No, they were a seven. I misspoke yes. yesterday. They were the seven last year. Excuse me. Yes. Yep. This, they were the seven seed. Who was the AC? Detroit. Detroit. Yeah, I forgot they had that whole. I mean, I know I was rooting for them heavy just to make the playoffs, but they snuck in there. I think that they can sit around the same spot next year, running it back, basically adding Aminu, who's a nice 3 and D guy. I like what they did there. Um, when you're the Magic, you're you're not going to be getting these marquees. You know stores. what they did? They they did a really good job to tell their fan base, yeah, we're not we're not giving up. And listen, we're not going to win a championship, and we're not contending for the Eastern Conference Finals. But we're still a relevant team. We're going to host playoff games. Um, we're going to give a reason for our fans to come out and watch us every night. And as a fan base for that kind of small market team, that's really all you can hope for. So I, I give them credit. They made some good moves, bringing back two guys from a playoff team, and then bringing in Alfarik Aminu, who has been a key contributor to a Rockets team and to a Portland team this year. All right, moving down the line, we knew it was going to happen. They weren't going to give up anything to the Knicks for nothing. The Mavs signed KP to a five-year 158, I believe. Yep. Um, we knew it was going to happen. We don't know what's going on with this case. I think... Obviously, it's a big deal to us, but nobody really talks about it. It wasn't even mentioned on the jump yesterday when he was talked about. He has the hearing coming up to see if they're going to go to court for it. I mean, you you had to do it as a mass. You don't have a choice. You literally don't have a choice. 
And that'll be a fun team next year. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, the Utah Jazz. They also re-signed real fast on the Mavericks. They also uh, re-signed uh, Dwight Powell to a three-year extension. That's nice. He's a decent player. All right. Let's move on to the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz, they also got Mike Conley in a trade. So mm-hmm. what felt like 20 years ago, but that's a big-time move. Um, replacing a my replacing Rick, Ricky Rubio. I can't even talk. I talk too much. Already. You've said a lot. It's all good. Placing Ricky Rubio with Mike Conley. I like that move. I like that move a lot. Oh, Mike it's a Conley's tremendous a really, move. Really, really good. Tremendous player. move. And then they made a few more tremendous moves, in my opinion. They took your guy Ed Davis. Yep. I know you like him. He's a really good um, backup center because Gobert gets hurt a lot, and Favors was going to cost too much. And I think Ed Davis will be a really good backup center. Ed Davis is a really good player. I I know I liked him last year before he even played a game for the Nets, and the reason was because I saw how upset McCollum and and Dame were that they let him go. Uh, He played a really strong backup center position for the Brooklyn Nets behind Jared Allen. I think toughened up Jared Allen a little bit. He was a guy that was just... You know, he was a dog out there, really contributed to that that good, gritty environment that the Nets cultivated. And um, listen, there wasn't going to be a fit for for him on that team anymore and Utah's gonna Utah's gonna see how valuable he is another valuable guy who you and I both really like from the Pacers is Boyan Bogdanovich is that right Bogey mm-hmm. thank you for that this is a guy who can play defense pretty well he's he's got a pulse on defense I'll put it to you that way and he can create off the dribble he can play make and he can shoot the three honestly if I were to give him a comp Poor man's Gordon Hayward. That's a really good comp. Yeah, that's a really Thank good you. comp. I um, he was I love the, this move. Yeah, oh, t- tremendous move. I thought he was going to go to San Antonio. It seemed like he was a San Antonio kind of guy. It made sense. But, again, Utah making the snipe move and bringing Bogey in there. Bogey's an interesting player. He started his career with the Nets, and unfortunately for him, he was just the wrong right player at the wrong time. Um. They shipped him off to Washington, and he didn't really seem to fit there. Then he signs with Indiana as his first free agency, and he almost single-handedly beat Cleveland last year when they forced a Game 7 in that weird first round. He was unconscious, and he was playing a backseat to Oladipo this year, obviously. He's probably the second-best player on that team. You got Miles Turner and Thad Young on that team, too, but... He became their best player once Oladipo went down and kept them relevant. Uh, again, I think that this is a guy that when you when he's in the right situation, he's much more valuable than people give him credit for. He doesn't do anything fantastic, but he does basically everything really well. And for a team like Utah, who's got a Donovan Mitchell, who's got a Rudy Gobert, and now a Mike Conley, you slide him in there in that three or four, man, that's a really good team. Yeah, absolutely. Now, looking at the Pacers, just mention them real quick. They got a Ricky Rubio, who's a really good playmaking point guard and is a very good defensive point guard as well. They're going to have a healthy Oladipo coming back. They already have a really good Do you good know nucleus. when he's coming back? I'll probably come back mid-October. Is I it believe. that soon? I, I, yeah. He got hurt early. So yeah. mid-October, early November, I believe. Um, that's going to be a fun team, and I definitely think they're a playoff team as well. Let's move on to the next team that we have, and that is the Sacramento Kings. I like what they're doing out there. Um, Orlando Magic 
West Coast, in my opinion. They're they're building a decent little nucleus down there. They re-signed Harry Barnes. They went out and got a vet who can still shoot it and play some good defense, and he's going to teach the young guys how to be a pro. That's Trevor Ariza. Corey Joseph, I'm a fan of him. Had a couple good years on Toronto, from what I remember. Yeah, Indiana this past year, yep. Yeah, he, he can shoot it a little bit. And Dwayne Detman, they stole him from who, the Knicks? Atlanta. Whatever. Oh, the Knicks, yeah, the Knicks traded him. Next. Yeah, you're thinking of uh, Damian Dodson. Whatever. But, you know, hard to get those guys mixed up. Come, come on, you got it. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, no, I, I it, like this. I like all the moves. I You know, I, I would disagree with you slightly about how they're Orlando Magic West. I get where you're coming from, but they have better pieces than than Orlando does. Oh they no, have, I agree. But I just meant making minor signings that are going to improve you. Yeah, team. I mean, you bring back Harrison Barnes, who was traded to them. They obviously liked him a lot, and he had a positive influence on that in that locker room and on the court as well. You got a Buddy Heald, you've got a De'Aaron Fox, you've got a Marvin Bagley. This team's really on the come up. I actually comp them a lot to the Brooklyn Nets of last year. That's who they reminded me of. Last year's Nets team was a lot like the the Kings. They they had a couple of exciting young players, and then they were kind of filling out the roster with some experienced vets. You add in a Dwayne Dedmond, you bring in a Corey Joseph and Trevor Ariza who can you know shoot it as wings and play some good defense. I think they're a sneaky playoff team. We'll have to see how the rest of free agency shakes out, but I think they're a team who was basically ready to make that jump this past year. They were in the hunt until the very end. I think it was probably only three weeks before the end of the regular season that they fizzled out, but this is going to be an exciting team. This is going to be, you know, in the, in the terms of the ringer NBA show guys, this is a, uh, this is a league pass team. Yeah, no, they're going to be a fun team to watch. I absolutely agree with that. So let's go over some signings before we go back into free agency. Denver maxed out Murray. Yeah, I thought that was a really good move. They kind of had to do that. Yeah, kind of obvious. Lillard gets a four-year max, so I guess he's not going to the Knicks. No, you can cross him off your list. Um, And then another thing with Portland is they traded for Hassan Whiteside, which I think is an interesting move, and I think he's going to be reinvigorated out there. I think so, too. I I also think this means that... um, the center out Nurkic. there, the Joker. No, excuse me, Nurkic, the other guy. Now he's, those guys are fair to get mixed up. Yeah, thank I don't you. blame you at all for that. Um, I guess he's not coming back as soon as we thought. I think it's even if he does, it just gives them that extra cover. I don't think he's you're you're going to start bringing Nurkic out there and start playing him, you know, thirty five minutes a night. I, I think that what Whiteside does is it gives you a little bit more cover. It gives you a little bit more security. You know ease Nurkic along and best case scenario is like you said Whiteside gets reinvigorated by a playoff team and a different atmosphere Portland made the Western Conference Finals this year that's a really good roster and you bring in a Whiteside who listen he's a free agent at the end of the year the only reason he was able to be dealt was because he picked up his crazy player option that he was awarded by the Heat and he goes out there, and he's got something to prove. He reminds me kind of like of a poor man's Boogie Cousins. He's got some attitude problems. Um, Not nearly the player. Well, but that's why I said poor man's. But he has flashes where he's straight-up dominant on the floor. It's more just kind of when he wants to be that good. And I think Miami was just – that team has not been – you talk about a fun team in Sacramento. That Miami team had not been fun the last few years, and he probably was like, I'm out. We talked about the Lillard re-signing, Dwight Powell re-signing. So, speaking of Miami, it is official. Sign and trade for Jimmy Butler. I like this move for the Heat. 
I, I don't really know where they are playoff-wise, but he's a Heat-type player. He He's no bullshit. He wants to win. That's Pat Riley's kind of guy. That's all I have to say about that. He'll be fun in Miami. No uh, no income tax for him. That's it. Yeah. Um, it was interesting how this unfolded. I, I, you were watching the jump, as was I, and we saw that he really wanted to go there. And, and prior to him being traded to the 76ers, the Heat were one of those teams that he really wanted to to be dealt from the T-Wolves too. And you're right. He feels like a Pat Riley, Miami Heat kind of player. What this gives Jimmy Butler, and we talked about it with Kyrie earlier, right? Like Kyrie seems to finally have the situation he wants. I'm going to say the same for Jimmy Butler. He was traded to teams that kind of we as outsiders looked at and said, yeah, this feels like a Jimmy Butler team, but... This is the Jimmy Butler team. This is a team with no other superstars, no other guys that are going to take the spotlight. Clearly, he wants, and that's what he wants because that's down, what he wants. And I don't. He turned down the max from Philly. So. I never have a problem with a player getting what they want, whether it's a player that ring chases, whether it's a player that goes to a situation that's probably not meant to win, but he's going to be his happiest. Go fucking get it, man. You're only a free agent, you know, a max free agent guy, maybe once or in your career. Jimmy Butler, we say what we want about him. We saw it in the playoffs. He was the Sixers' best player consistently in that. And in that game seven that gets kind of overlooked because of the Kawhi shot, Jimmy Butler went toe-to-toe with him and was he would have been the MVP of that series had the Sixers won. Uh, there were too many cooks in the kitchen. They weren't going to be able to pay everybody. He wanted to go to a situation where he could be the guy. Miami's that spot. I'm not expecting much from him. You're you're not either, right? As far as playoff positioning and championship or anything like that. Seven six seed. Yeah, I think that's fair. But he's going to be happy and and good for him. All right. So Pat Beverly goes back to the Clippers. We'll put that one on ice for now because I think the Clippers have one more big big signing in them. Yeah, and real quick, um, you know, we just talked about Miami's acquisition in the sign and trade of Jimmy Butler. How about Philly getting Josh Richardson? He's like a he's like a, a younger version of a Jimmy Butler and he, we're gonna talk about that, my friend. Yeah, he that was a really good move for them. That was a really good move for them. Absolutely, absolutely. We're gonna talk about Philly in about a second, but right before that, another team that I thought did really well in free agency was the New Orleans Pelicans. That's the team name. They're not the Hornets anymore. I think they did really well because they went out and they got a veteran in JJ Reddick. They signed him to a big-time two-year deal, and they made that sign-and-trade with favors. Now, I know they struck out on Horford, but they went out and got another really good 4-slash-5 that can guard all positions and score in the low post. And they're not going to be spending as much as they would on Horford. That team's going to be... That's the ultimate league pass team right there. Hell yeah. That team is a lot of fun. I mean, come on. I don't have to go up and down the roster to tell you all these guys that I think are going to take a huge leap now that they're either in the league with Zion or off of the Lakers, which were an absolute shit show. I mean, New Orleans has, aside from the Brooklyn Nets, completely won this offseason. You know what I love about this move for JJ? And obviously the, the Pelicans are the beneficiary. He's literally going to the same situation he walked into when he signed with Philly. A number one overall pick, a really good young team, and he can be kind of that glue guy, that three-point guy, the guy who never stops moving, 
and is going to be a really good influence for a young team. He did that when he decided to leave the Clippers and go to the Sixers. And I give him so much credit because he's the kind of guy, when you look at the league, he's a guy who deserves to just go to the best team and win a ring. Like everyone loves him. He's got his own podcast on the ringer. Yes. Everybody loves him. He's, he's a, a man. It's impossible not to root for him. And I don't like Duke players. And I was going to say, he not used to, to like be him. the most hated college basketball player in America. Yep. And, and, and turned it around. Uh, yeah. And it listen, wasn't his fault. That he no, was that was hated. more of the Duke image and the kind of player that he was. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but he goes now to a new Orleans team that is going to just be, I hope national TV, I don't think they're a playoff team, but I hope national TV picks up so many of their games just because of Zion. But you add Alonzo, who I'm, you know I'm not a huge fan of, but I think in this situation he deserves, point guards take a while to develop. He deserves to have, be judged in a better situation. We obviously just saw what happened with uh, with D'Lo. And then you have a Brandon Ingram who hopefully can play. You now have J.J. Redick. You bring in a Derek Favors. God, and of course Zion. Wow. Drew Holiday's on Yeah, Drew Holiday, too. Who's like a top 30 player in the league. It's crazy. It, Good it's, for them. It's incredible. And I, I really David like Griffin, executive of the year already. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk Marks. about it. Yeah, let, let's talk about it. I think this team won free agency over the Brooklyn Nets, to be honest with you, just because of what they're going to do next year. The Philadelphia 76ers. Great job by them. I have to say that. First of all, Jimmy Butler turns down that max. They say whatever. They wash their hands of it. They re-sign Tobias Harris, who I think is going to be so much more consistent and so much better this year because Couldn't agree he's more. not the fourth option anymore. And then they go out and they make a huge signing. I think this is the best signing of the year. The best signing aside from signing a LeBron or a Kevin Durant or... The best non-superstar signing, although he's an all-star, I've ever, maybe. Al Horford to this team is the perfect fit. The absolute perfect fit. He can play center when Joel Embiid needs rest. He can slide over to power forward because he can guard all five positions pretty well. He's a playmaker. He doesn't. He's a star that doesn't fill the stat sheet. He does not need the ball to be good, where the other three guys kind of need the ball to be good, but he's going to make the right play. He's an incredible passer out of the post. Anywhere on the floor, he's a great passer. I already mentioned his defense. He can also stretch the floor. He can hit a three. This guy, best free agent signing I've seen in a long time. Incredible. Yeah. It's really hard to argue. Great job, Elton Brand. I'm proud of you, man. It's really, it's really hard to argue that the team that had that got two of the top seven or eight players in the league didn't win free agency. And I think you just have to look at the situations of the two teams, right? I mean, Philly was a, they were the three seed last year. They were a quadruple doink bounce away from being in the Eastern Conference Finals. They took gambles on Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris during the season, traded off a lot of assets, trying to capitalize on this Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons run while they're both still on their rookie deals. Um, I would still say just from a culture standpoint and putting, you know, putting your team on the map, I would still say the Nets won free agency, but adding to a team that was already made, the Philadelphia 76ers are 
I, I, I don't even have words to describe how good this was. And you already mentioned Richardson as well. So I love Richardson as a player, dude. I, do I really too. do. Their starting five is incredible. And you said it perfectly. Tobias Harris now is in a position for him to be at his best. And listen, we said it yesterday. Is he a great defensive player? No. But what he is, is much better than what we saw last year. And it's because he didn't have a spot. He was kind of out there in no man's land. He was the fourth option, not only on offense, but also on defense. He, he was kind of a rover, didn't have a place to go. And this was the Sixers deciding that they were going to commit to a guy that makes their team so much better. And what right now, are you putting him at the three and Horford at the four and Embiid at the five? I mean, that's that's dirty. The only thing, and I agree with you, the Nets probably won free agency. The thing that would have been the icing on the cake, the, 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 the cream at the top, the thing that I would have pounded the table and said the Nets didn't win free agency is if they signed Pat Beverly. Well, they didn't have room for him. I know. they couldn't And they have Dinwiddie. It. No, I know. But if they signed Pat Beverly, that would have been incredible because they don't have a guy that can guard those little guys like Kyrie Irving or, or whatever on defense. And when it comes playoff time, Ben Simmons is going to get exposed by a few of these guys. Pat Beverly would have been a perfect player for them, but they didn't have the room, like you said. They didn't get him. Still an incredible free agency, an incredible... 24 hours for the Sixers. And to be honest, depending on where Kawhi signs, I really like this team in the East as long as their two stars can stay healthy. So let's talk about this a little bit more because I think that this is the team that deserves, you know, aside from the Nets, probably the most attention um, conversationally. So they're a three seed last year. I still think that the Embiid-Simmons thing and this isn't a hot take. This has been said by a lot of people smarter than me. I still don't think that that combination is winning together. I think Horford's the glue, though. I I still I know how important guards are in the league. You do, too. Simmons, if he doesn't commit to learning how to at least make himself a scoring threat, you know, even if he shoots 35% from around the free throw line, and can just, you know, be something in a half-court game. Because the problem now is that you're going to clog up the middle continually. And, yeah, Horford... That's why can, I like that Horford Yeah, can Horford can out. stretch, and obviously Harris can stretch, but there's still guys who have good post games too. And, like, I, my concern is... And, again, I, I think that this was, a, this was a free agency from heaven for them. But... I do still have concerns about how Simmons and Embiid, the two building blocks of this team, are going to play together. And Embiid's health scares me. Simmons's desire or lack thereof to enhance his game and become a little bit more of a scoring threat, a shooting threat, that's not going to manifest in the regular season. This is a team that, if healthy, probably wins 60 games. But in the playoffs, especially if you're going against a Milwaukee or you know if Kawhi runs it back with Toronto... Um, they could run into some more problems. Um, where do you look at the East right now? Let's just say for sake of argument, Kawhi goes to LA, one of the LA teams. Because it sounds like, even though I picked him to go back to Toronto, it sounds like that's he's leaning towards one of the LA teams. You picked him to go to the Clippers. If we just use that, where do you see the East stacking up? 
Bucks one, Sixers two, Celtics three, Pacers four, your Brooklyn Nets five. After that, Toronto six. Toronto losing Kawhi is going to be catastrophic. I put them six. That team is a six seed without Kawhi Leonard. Interesting. Yeah, it's hard because they still have Gasol. Seven Orlando. They still have Siakam. They still have Lowry. They still have Van Fleet. Seven Orlando and, and Jimmy gets in the playoffs. Eight Miami. I would probably go Milwaukee, Philly. I would still. I would have to still put Toronto up there, but I like Boston at four. Um, you know, Kemba's just going to be great. I still Boston to me. I mean, they signed Ennis Cantor today, but Ennis Cantor defensively, as you know, is kind of a train wreck. But he's going to score a lot for them. He's, I hate using this term again, but is he a poor man's Horford? He no. can't really score from outside, but he is a scoring threat. He's good. He's a walking double-double. So you add him. Um, I just put a lot of stock into Tatum and Brown just being away from the Kyrie thing and Kyrie being away from them. It's just going to make them that much better. And let's not forget, too, Marcus Morris and Terry Rozier were also kind of cancers on that team. Oh, I said it yesterday. Yeah. I, I know that well. Yeah, so um, I, I, I like Boston at the four, Brooklyn at the five. Then you're looking at Indiana, something like that. But I, I think I, Indiana's going to take a major leap forward this year. Philly at two, though, we're both in agreement. If, if healthy, this team is dynamically good. Worst team in the league next year? Charlotte? No. No. It's the Wizards. I think they're both awful. You know what? No. I take that back. I rescind that. Pretend like it never happened because Bradley Beal is going to carry that I team. was just going to say, you have Bradley Beal. Do a little bit more. I think that... I don't think that Charlotte's that bad. I think they've oh. got... No, they're not good. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think they're that bad. Does Phoenix run it back as the worst team in the league? I mean, Phoenix sucks. Uh, my question, though, is that... The Hornets just added Terry Rozier. Another sleeper is Memphis. They traded everybody. They're going super young. They want to be, they want to be bad. Although they don't have their pick. Yeah, I, I think all of those teams. Um, They're on the Knicks, obviously. No, I don't think the Knicks are going to be that bad. I hope. I hope they are. No, I know you do. I don't think that they're going to be that bad because I think RJ Barrett's going to be a stud. I, I think the Hornets are going to be awful. Um, Unless Malik Monk takes a huge step forward, and I guess Bridges I too. I loved him in that draft. I did. Um, I've been wrong so far. Well, but Bridges too him. had a horrific year. I mean, that team. Yeah. Kaminsky's gone. Um, oh, tough one. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is you're, you're taking a guy who Where'd wasn't go? that good. I can't remember. He signed somewhere else. I I, I don't know where. But that team sucks. I mean, obviously Phoenix is a disaster. We're going to get to our winners and losers of day one of free agency later on. Um, Last thing we have to talk about. There's uh, so many bad teams. Before we move on to our winners and losers is your boy D'Angelo Russell. Wow. This This one was was a a shocker. I I was asleep when this happened. I woke up to this. Me too. Um, Sign and trade from the Brooklyn Nets to the Golden State Warriors. This one was big, and Mark Stein reported that the Warriors may flip him, but basically they didn't want to lose KD for nothing. I love this deal for the Warriors. I hope they hold on to him. I really like him on that team because you saw it with Dinwiddie, and and he can play off the ball, and obviously Dinwiddie's not Steph Curry, but he's a ball-dominant player, and 
I, I think D'Angelo Russell's a really good fit for this team, and he keeps them afloat till Clay comes back, and then they can explode after that. Yeah, why would they trade him? Like, Clay is probably out all year. Well, Clay's going to be out until at least it's a maybe torn a ACL, month dude. The you don't rush that over. thing. Yeah, and again, Clay Thompson is not. He's he's six seven, two hundred. And Steph's had injuries. Pounds. He can play small forward when he comes back fully healthy. And, and I really like this move for them. I think he's the perfect fit. For, not the perfect fit. No, he's, he's not, not an perfect. Al Horford fit. No, 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 no. But I think he's a really good fit for this team, and they can integrate really well. Steph has injuries, too, obviously, of his own, and, and he has a lot of wear and tear on that body. D'Angelo Russell is, you know, this was a great move for both parties, and, and I give the Nets credit in working with Golden State to make sure that Russell went somewhere where, you know, he's going to have a chance to be great. Whether Golden State decides to keep him or trade him, it's going to be up to them. But he's going to the five-time defending Western Conference champions. And I give I, I give him a lot of I give him a lot of opportunity to be great on that team. I don't know why they would trade him. As you said, Clay is going to be out for a bit. Even when he comes back, you're not going to start having him play, you know, 35 minutes a game. Curry's going to need his rest. This guy is great on the ball and off the ball. Obviously, he became an all-star this year. Fantastic move by Myers. Now, they also got Shabazz Napier and Trevion Graham in the deal, who they shipped out to Minnesota uh, immediately. When I first saw those two pieces going to Minnesota, I thought Russell was going too, and not the case. But one thing lost in this, the Nets, in addition to Kevin Durant in the sign-and-trade, got Golden State's 2020 first-round pick. Wow. So right now, in the next five years, the Nets have seven first-round picks and nine second-round picks. Making up for lost time. With everything else. Again, we're talking about the best GMs. Yeah. Wow. So that was crazy. These front offices are savvy, and if if you don't get somebody like a— Because remember, the Nets traded to facilitate that Allen Crab trade. They also traded their first-round pick next year, but they got the Clippers' first-rounder lottery-protected— this coming season in 2020 for the 27th overall pick this year. And now you're getting the Golden State pick. Again, these aren't going to be great picks, but more first-rounders is more first-rounders. Take notes. Hire somebody smart. And somebody's got to figure out a way. Take out Jerry Jones. We got to get Jerry Jones and um, and what's-his-face Dolan in a room together. That would be something. And we could take care of them both. <laughs> Just knock them right out. Yep. Um Give what do you me, think of D'Angelo Russell as a player owner, going we'll forward? It's a short sample size. Is he a guy who was a product of Atkinson's system, or no, is he a no, guy no, who no. was just unlocked and be and is now going to become unlocked. one of the best point guards in the in the league for a while? Best point guards in the short term is strong, but I think in two or three years, I mean, when he's twenty seven and he's looking at another big time deal, he's going to get maxed out. I'll put it to you that way. I'm happy for him. Um, he hasn't had any official goodbye with the Nets, nor the Nets with him, but. Let's just keep this in mind. The situation that the Nets just found themselves in doesn't happen without D'Angelo Russell, and the situation D'Angelo Russell just found himself in doesn't happen without the Brooklyn Nets. It was a perfect marriage for both teams. Are both you crying parties. or what? Come on, let's. Um, let's no, come on. Good that job was, by everybody. Yeah, good job that's by a everybody. good thing. It's a good thing. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. All right. So before we get into winners and losers, we're waiting on two guys that that are relevant to sign. We're waiting, obviously, on Kawhi Leonard. 
I got him going to the Clippers. What about you? You know I have him sticking with Toronto. Okay. But recently, it seems like the Lakers are, are it. Um, And the other guy we got is Boogie Cousins. That's Let's talk Lakers, about these guys. That's the Lakers' consolation. Uh, there's nothing else we really have to say. I oh, mean, I totally disagree. Anything. I think we got to talk about the Kawhi situation because if he goes to the Lakers, obviously the Lakers become... We go to, If he goes to the Lakers, he makes the Knicks look even fucking worse because... You can completely mismanage, and I a couple months ago said that the Lakers were actually making the Knicks look better, and it's been a complete 180. You can be a terrible franchise, sign a LeBron, trade for an Anthony Davis, and then probably sign him to a long-term deal, and trade for, or excuse me, sign a Kawhi Leonard, where I don't know how your franchise cachet carries over. Maybe it's because they've won recently, but the Knicks aren't carrying anything right now, and I'm just baffled. I'm mind boggled. I mean, obviously for the Knicks, the ownership and and the decisions that they've made are the reasons why they're not getting free agents. And it's not the same for the Lakers. I can't explain that one. I think that if you put him on the Lakers, he's one of the very few players in this league who has the kind of gravitas that he does that nobody has the right to be upset at. If he goes there, I, we talked about. No, it nobody can get mad. He's won two championships, and he doesn't. And the craziest thing is, he doesn't give a fuck. Well, it's not only has he won two championships, but he was the reason why both the Spurs in 2013 and and the Rapt the Raptors this year ended up holding the Larry O'Brien Trophy at the end. He doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. Like you said, he really doesn't give a fuck. We talked about KD, Kyrie. They do. They obviously care. They have very thin skin. Nobody talks to Kawhi. He has no friends. He has nobody he talks to. Nobody knows friend. what the hell is going on with He's him. He's welcome on the pod. Oh, more than welcome. And, and make sure do that laugh too, Kawhi. That's an all-timer. Um, I think there's a legitimate chance that he's going to the Lakers. This is starting to take on a lot of legs. And if he, if he goes there, they become the Warriors of the last few years. I don't see how that team loses. And I don't want to hear about how they don't have a supporting cast. You don't no, need a supporting cast. Matters. It does, but you don't need a support. Because LeBron's not What's number it? six Golden on Miami State, Heat Golden anymore, State man. won with Quinn Cook and a bunch of other guys. They turned Looney into a max guy. You still have Kuzma. You'll fi- Looney's you'll, another guy out there. You'll sign. Well, Looney re-upped with Golden State today. Three-year deal. Max? No, not a max. Just a three, three-year deal. So, so he's, 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 max he's staying. No. Well, good for him. Yep. But, um, yeah, so they're fine. Kawhi to the Lakers, that'd be really interesting. I think they'd obviously become the immediate favorite to win the NBA Finals. Boogie Cousins, I don't know where he's going to go. I really don't. Well, it's not going to be the Knicks because the Knicks just signed every point forward, you know, power forward and center that you could come up with. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad he's not going to the Knicks. You don't that, want that's him. That's a Knicksy move, and I'm glad they're not making Knicksy moves to try and look at a glass like one drop full. Right now, because that's what it is. I'm glad that they didn't make that move. Does he go to the Bulls? Please go to Houston. Please go to Houston. That'd be pretty funny. That would be a cast of characters. I would like to be a fly on the wall for that one. I I I think Phoenix. Phoenix would be another. Put him with DeAndre Ayton. That'd be a nice. (laughs) That'd be a nice pick and roll between him and uh, him and Booker though. Oh. If on the court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the court. All right, so let's get into some winners and losers. Winners of free agency. Obviously, the Nets. 
and I'm going to go the winners of free agency. I'll give you a top three. Number one, the Nets. Number two, the Sixers. And number three, the Pels. Yeah, it's hard to argue any of those. I go Nets, I go Sixers, and I go I go Bucks. Um, the Bucks and Jazz to me are kind of tied. Yeah, they're right there. I mean, the Bucks are bringing everybody back other than Brogdon, and you got George Hill coming back, and then obviously what the Jazz have done with Bogey and Davis and the trade for Conley. I mean, you can't ask for anything better than that. Free agency losers: number one, the Knicks; number two, the Knicks; number three, the Knicks; number four, five, <laughs> six, seven. All the way through infinity. I mean, the other teams that that we could mention, the Bulls, the Hornets, the Suns. I can't say the Clippers yet because they have they haven't although they've the Clippers and the Knicks will be the two biggest losers if if the Clippers don't get Kawhi because they were talking a big game. The Bulls were never rumored to get any of these guys. The Hornets obviously were never No, but rumored. I still think the Bulls could have done more. They lost Bobby Portis. They could Portis have done more, but you know they what? They're not, they're not losers because they weren't saying that this was the year. There was no rumors for two fucking years, for ten years, that they were gonna. This was gonna be their time. The Clippers, and especially, obviously, the Knicks. You heard me talk about it for about twenty-five minutes. Were the ones who were saying this was the year. They are by far the biggest losers in my book. And then the Rockets. I mean, they didn't have any maneuverability. They didn't have any room to do anything in free agency. But, you know, they got a lot of egg on their face. That's all. That's what I'm taking from it is I thought there was a position for the Rockets to to make a move. They said they were going to go all out for a Jimmy Butler sign and trade. We didn't hear a single thing about Daryl Morey's team. And that's very unlike them, especially with all the noise they've made since they were eliminated in the second round. I'm definitely going... I'm going Suns one, and the reason for that is, listen, I know they're not a team that's been rumored to go get big guys. If we want to do that, obviously it's the Knicks and the Clippers, as is currently constituted. But I'm going to use this opportunity in the podcast to do two things. One, I'm going to talk about how inept the Suns are, because apparently they did not pursue D'Angelo Russell because they thought he would be a bad influence on Devin Booker, even though they are best friends. And for some reason, I guess they think this is still 2016 when Darren, or uh, Darren Williams, when uh, D'Angelo Russell was taking, uh, taking videos of Nick Young cheating on his girl. Um, he was a great teammate in Brooklyn. His stock has risen plenty. Uh, we don't have to talk more about him. Makes no goddamn sense, and that team just doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. Obviously, with trading T.J. Warren and just all on down the line, not signing. See, there's a lot of the moves that we saw happen yesterday. The second tier guys, that would have been fine for a Chicago to go out and grab. You have a Laurie Markinen, you have a Zach Levine, you have a Chris Dunn, you have some, you have some pieces, and they just don't add any anybody. I mean, there were some nice tier three, tier tier four players that would have helped that team. Um, and they didn't make a pounce on any of them. The Suns are a disaster. Now the Knicks, I'm going to say my part on the Knicks, and this is not patronizing, so don't give me any of that nonsense. I've had to look at Glass Half Full as a depressed Net fan prior to yesterday for a long time, you know, with my off-season resulting in Damari Carroll and Trevor Booker. But, yes, they're losers because all they did was hype up 
getting Kyrie and KD. And not only did they not come to the Knicks, we know they went to the Nets. But I give the Knicks a lot of credit in this in this realm, okay? They didn't decide to just go out and pay Boogie Cousins the max or Tobias Harris the max. And it's not that those guys aren't good players. They don't fit. And then you're just, but it's redundant. It's Nixie. It's Amari Stoudemire in 2010. They go out and they sign a Taj Gibson and a Bobby Portis and a Julius Randle and a Reggie Bullock. And, you know, these are guys who, are they going to make you excited to watch the team? No. But let's not lose sight of the fact that they just took R.J. Barrett, who was the number one prospect before the college basketball season started, yes, even ahead of Zion. You have a Kevin Knox who was a very young player when he was drafted, and he has a lot of raw skills. You have a Dennis Smith Jr. You have, obviously, Mitchell Robinson. And now you add a lot of really good veterans who are still productive. Some of them want to get their next deal somewhere. Some of them are going to be excited to play for the Knicks. And they're going to be good influences on a young team that now has no other choice but to embrace a rebuild. And now you can cleanse yourself of the stink and bad odor that's been coming from the garden for 20 years that you detailed to open this podcast. You cannot. Because James Dolan, Dolan I understand still that, but the I, the, I still... And they are still an inept I, franchise. Listen, dude, the ownership... That's just the cherry on top. The reason guys don't want to go there, it's not just because of James Dolan. There's no talent. There's nothing around there that says, yeah, to a Kevin Durant, oh, yeah, sure, when I come back off a ruptured Achilles, I'm going to walk in here and feel good about this team. There's no talent because the one talented player that they've groomed for the past how many years, they traded away because ownership down, it was such a poorly run franchise that they had to get rid of him. I will tell you right now, the Knicks are in a better position today than the Nets were when Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson took the job in 2016. That was a Prokhorov who stuck his hand in the cookie jar and made the Nets give up their entire future for two old superstars. Okay, The ownership definitely hurts, but that's not the only reason. Is it a contributing factor? Absolutely it is. It's the main contributing factor because, I mean, I get you. I understand the fact that Listen, Prokhorov fucked up the team for a few years. The Knicks have been inept since 1999. Yes, I get friend. that. So, the Nets but at least have dra- finals but, but in the listen, early 2000s. No, no, no. Be, in two, you have draft picks. You made not, bad decisions. You put the wrong people. Do I have to go? Do I have to remind you that Isaiah Thomas was the GM of this? We team? don't have to go back that far. All we have to do is look at the last four years. The Nets didn't have any draft picks. The Knicks at least just drafted a player yeah, third but you're overall. Missing, but you're missing my point. You have the Dallas the, picks. The Nets put good people in the right positions. The Knicks still don't have that. But now That's they're starting to do no that. Now they're starting to do that. Why? Because they didn't sign Boogie Cousins? They also didn't. Yes. Yesterday. That's smart. Yesterday, they didn't offer Kevin Durant the max. We're, talking, we're not talking about four years ago. We're talking about yesterday. They didn't offer My Kevin point, Durant though, is Max. that they missed out on those guys. They and that you're at rock bottom. So now to get up from rock bottom, you're not doing the classic Knicks thing, which is signing Derrick Rose and signing Joe Kim Noah to huge deals. No, I appreciate them going short term, but my point is this. We are at rock bottom. 
We have been at rock bottom for 20 years, and we will continue to be there because they make moves like yesterday where, who knows, maybe they did offer Kevin Durant the max, but the fact that they reported that they didn't offer Kevin Durant the max says it all right there, point blank, period. Yeah, and and listen, that's why I'm not... That's my point. They are going to continue to be inept. They are going to continue to be in not only basketball purgatory, but they've gone to hell. They are in basketball hell until this team gets sold. Period. Point blank, man. I mean, listen, I understand what you're saying, and you're looking at the glass half full, and I appreciate that they didn't waste the cap space and mortgage our future on a Boogie Cousins or even on a Tobias Harris because that's not going to put you over the top. That's not even going to make you a playoff team, much less an eight seed or something like that. But this team will continue to be inept as long as the people in positions of power are in positions of power, period. Well, here's look at yesterday. Look at yesterday. No, no, no. I get it. He I, threw out a reporter. He threw out a fan this year. Totally this get is it. just the last year. I totally get it. But you know what? As bad as that is, and yes, it's a factor. I think the reason, overarching reason, why a lot of these guys are not looking at the Knicks as an option is because they don't have anything that's going to get you excited. There's no veterans that are going there. DeAndre Jordan, all he did was talk about how much of a shit show it was there. Because of the ownership. That's my point. And also the coaching. It's not going to get any better. It's not it's not a good situation, but what these moves do is all if you get these veterans and all it takes is one. Like look at a Bobby Portis. He's an interesting guy, right? Because he had a lot of success in Chicago. He gets dealt to Washington and doesn't play well. And if he goes and plays well for the Knicks, along with the Mitchell Robinson, and who knows? Maybe the Knicks decide to keep him or he goes elsewhere, but the Knicks get credit and the coaching staff and Fisdale get credit for helping his career get a little bit resurrected or get taken to the next level. That's a very encouraging thing. Now you have these veterans who are coming in and blending with a really good group of young players. The reason that I'm saying they're in a better position than the Nets were in 2016 was one, the Nets had a crazy Russian owner who didn't, who had only fucked up since he had been there. Let me cut out the owner part because I'll take poker off over Dolan any day. Okay, and that's fair because you can't get any worse than Dolan right now. But they didn't have any first-round draft picks, dude. That's the only difference between the Knicks and the Nets. Like, like the Nets didn't have a building block. Their building block was trying to get a Karis LeVert off a foot injury and hope that he would do something. The Knicks have R.J. Barrett. The Knicks have Kevin Knox. The Knicks have Mitchell Robinson. This is much better of a situation than the Nets were in it three years ago at this time. I agree with you. And that's when they were at rock bottom. The only problem is is that the Knicks have had building blocks before. Why do do I have to recap the last 20 years? And they've fucked it up every single time. Exactly. That's my point. But that's why it's not going to get any better. But at those points, though, with those building blocks, they tried to go for the throat immediately and make sure that they – took the second or third level guys and make them max players. They're not doing that now. So you have to build. It takes a while to build up a culture. It takes a while to build up from rock bottom. It's not going to happen immediately. And I give them credit now for acknowledging that. We're going to see what happens. But I think right now, and I'm telling you this because a lot of these moves, is it a perfect analogy in comparison? Absolutely not. But a lot of the moves that the Knicks made in the last 24 hours Reminds me a lot of what the Nets did in 2016 and 17. You're bringing in veterans who are trying to either get their next deals or are trying to just prove that they can still play. Then you're adding them to 
a couple of nice, attractive pieces. The Net, the Knicks young pieces are much more attractive than what the Nets young pieces were, and it's actually in a situation too where the team has actual expectations now. The fan base has expectations. Are you upset? Absolutely, you're upset. You didn't get what you want. The fan base has had expectations for. But how now, long? now as a Nick fan, you can say this. You just want to be entertained. You're tired of being sold a bill of goods that we're a team that's trying to compete and trying to win when you're watching the the product on the court and knowing that this is not a team that's capable of winning games. What you want to look for is, hey, is this team fun to watch? Is this team gelling? Is this team showing maybe that different kind of positivity, which we clearly haven't seen with Carmelo pouting and being on his own and Kristaps pouting and being on his own and all these other guys seeming like none of that is going to change, man. I'm telling you. I I, don't know that. I don't know that. I'm not looking forward to them. I I don't want to watch them gel. I'm not even going to watch the Knicks this year. I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. Again, I'm this out. is from an outsider. And I'm out. Yeah, but your comparisons are not even close. James Dolan still owns this team. I know friend. he owns the team. But I'm saying that we've seen bad owners in the past get free agents. I don't think that – you don't have to deal with the owner all that much. He just is the he, – he's just the extra no, fucking he's not. knife it's through the, the entire, chest. It's the entire culture, my friend. You will see. I promise you. This will continue until James. It Dolan is the entire the culture, team. and Dolan's part of it. I don't think he's all of it. That's every everything that has happened has run through Dolan. Every decision, Phil Jackson, Isaiah Thomas, all these moves that have been made have been because of Dolan. But can we be honest about something real fast? What do the Nick fans want Dolan to do? Sell the fucking team. Well, That's he wanted, what I wanted him to. to do. He's not going to sell the team. So they wanted him to stay the fuck out of it. And they hired Phil Jackson and the fans went nuts. They were so happy. They were so happy they did that. And then Phil was a saboteur, basically. Phil, uh, Dolan didn't know that. He's tried to put guys, and I'm not saying he's a good owner. He sucks. Obviously, he fucking sucks. But he does put the money into the team. Okay. I agree with you. But then Phil's a he's saboteur. He's not the Will Ponds who decides that they're just not going to spend money. No, no, no. I agree with you. He, he throws money at anything. Isaiah Thomas, you name it. He fired Phil Jackson three days after he let him make a draft pick. Oh, no. That's all I have to completely, say. Completely, completely reprehensible. So, if you're going to decide to step in, that's that's just my argument to that. I think it Period. was more just, listen, we're, we want you to make the picks. You, you have autonomy. You are in the position that everybody wanted me to put you in. And you take Frank Nittlekina. I can't, I can't continue to let you keep your job. I'm no. not a defender of Dolan. My he friend, obviously sucks. I'm just saying you don't this, decide to fire somebody. This whole culture you don't that's decide come to from fire the Knicks somebody three days is before. coaching staff. It's player development that doesn't get better. It's the fact that your facilities in Westchester when you play in New York City. It's just everything, and players don't want to be there. And it's not the just facilities because of Dolan. in Westchester because it's cheaper. Who runs the team, my friend? Right. There we go. And again, Back to he the is a factor. He, he is a factor. He is the factor. All we're right. not going to agree on this. But no, on. we're not because you're on your high horse and you're loving it. I, I'm there for I'm you. I'm not. But you're, you're looking at it. You're looking at it for as a perspective. Just go of, back in 2016 and look where the Nets were. Exactly. And you expect are. the exact same thing that happened to the Nets to happen to the Knicks. I'm not saying I expect and I, it. And I'm, I'm just seeing comps. And I've been waiting 
for what happened to the Nets yesterday to happen to the Knicks since the day I was born. Well, you know what? Maybe striking out and being thrown out of the stadium is the wake-up call that they finally need, and yesterday could be the beginning of the rebuild that gets you what you want in three or four years. And maybe not. I will believe it when I see it, and I probably won't even believe it then, to be honest. I still don't believe it. Exactly. So, we're going to disagree on that because Dolan is the root of all problems. He might be the root of all evil at this point. (laughs) All right. Knicks are the biggest loser of free agency, in my opinion. Suns right up there. You have a bunch of teams. Suns are irrelevant. Who cares? The Knicks are irrelevant. Who cares? Um, Real quick before we jump into something else and we end this episode 100, let's go through our Western Conference real quick. Number one, I have the Denver Nuggets. Obviously, this is contingent on the Lakers and what happens with AD, but right now I got the Denver Nuggets. Number two, I have the Portland Trailblazers. Number three, I have the Utah Jazz. Number four, I have the Los Angeles Lakers. That could change, obviously. Number five, I have the Golden State Warriors. Number six, I don't even know. To be honest with you, that's number fine. six. I'll take the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, we, that's fine. We're number not doing seven. I'll take the San Antonio the Spurs, and number eight, give me the Pelicans. Hey, that's like your feel-good pick. Yeah. Well, I had one last year with the Magic, so I'll yeah, take that absolutely. Again well, I'm going. I'm going Denver one as well. I, I like Utah now at two. I think they've jumped Portland, but not to a fault of Portland's. I just think Utah got that much better. Uh, I'll go Portland three. I'll also go the Lakers for echoing your sentiments contingent upon what happens elsewhere. Five, I'll go, go, I'll go Golden State. Looney coming back is good. D'Angelo Russell, I hope they keep him. I'm going to just pick them fifth because I want them to keep him, and I think he's going to help them a lot. Obviously, whenever Clay comes back, and you still got Draymond. At six, I don't know. Sure, Sacramento sounds good. Everything they did. Seven will go Dallas. I think Dallas is, if KP's healthy and he stays on the court and doesn't have, you know, a really bad issue legally on his hands, you've got obviously Luka. You got Powell. This is a good young team and they could be very exciting. Oh, by the way, Seth Curry re signed with Denver today, or Denver with Dallas today. So I'll put them seven. He gives them another scoring threat. And eight. Ah, oh, what the hell. Pelicans. Let's go, Pelicans. Sorry, Spurs. I should pick you. But right now, these are not our official Sorry Sports picks. That'll be reserved for the fall. But with the preview. Right now, it's All right, not? so let's jump in on episode 100 really quick before we end this thing to some MLB, where it all began with the Yankee Clippers back in the library in a town near us. The Yankees swept the Red Sox across the pond, as everybody's been saying. Um, offense heavy. I'm just glad they won. I mean, it was, it was fun to watch. I'm glad they took two more big time games away from the Red Sox. Um, I think the Red Sox are like 12 games behind the Yankees. 11 now. now. Yeah. 11 games behind the Yankees now. Um, offensively. I like what I saw pitching wise. I don't know. I have to see them back on us soil back in the Bronx or, or in a stadium somewhere else. I don't know. I really don't. Two track meets, two historically offensive games, um, 50 runs put up in two games between the two teams. Is that a record? It's 
got to be close. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they scored 30 runs just on Saturday. Yesterday, we talked about the Saturday game. Yesterday was 12-8, to 8, so it was right there. Um, no pitcher. Pitcher's duel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No pitcher on either team, even the best ones, could consistently get people out. Um, I said it yesterday, and I'll say it again, even after watching the second game. It didn't feel like real Major League Baseball. It felt like something gimmicky and funky. Uh, the players, none of them seemed comfortable. Uh, the outfielders never seemed comfortable. The pitchers obviously weren't comfortable. The only thing that were that was comfortable was being in the batter's box because uh, everybody raked. The positives you take out of it, um, obviously... They won. Yeah, they won. Uh, Didi was great. LeMahieu was absurd. Everybody hit. Um the negatives, I don't even know if you can really call them negatives because I'm tipping to be honest with you. I don't know how you feel, but I'm not going to put any stock into these games uh, as far well, as the pitchers are concerned. When neither literally, team. when literally, aside from Chapman closing that game out, and he even gave up a big time, a, a really hard hit double. When every single pitcher sucks, I that you kind of just got to throw your hands up. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I don't think that. I can put a lot of stock or anybody can put a lot of stock into how the Yankee relievers performed. What it does tell me is this. They might really have to go out and get a second, another reliever. Uh, A couple bits of news that came yesterday. Um, Batances is not due back anytime soon. Severino, we did say this a little bit yesterday. It's now looking like late August. I don't think you can count on him at all this year. So a starting pitcher and a reliever, are going to have to be at the forefronts, just like seemingly every year, uh, on the Yankees on the Yankees' radar. Um, Domingo Herman comes back this week, so that's good. They got two at City Field against the Mets uh, tomorrow and Wednesday, and then they play four at Tampa Bay to finish off the first half. So um, we'll see. Uh, they're clicking on all cylinders. They're winning. You'd like the pitching to be a little bit better. You'd like the starting pitching to get you deeper into games. When you're winning, you can't really complain. We'll see what happens. Can we please talk about the Mets again? All right, let's finish off this episode 100 with the New York it's Mets. Just, Mike Phillips just texted me and said, I'm coming on if, if uh, what's-his-face gets fired. I don't think he's been fired yet, but go ahead. Give me your Mets. Oh, God, it's it's just... I don't really have any words to just... Because I feel like we've used all the superlatives, and in this case, the negatives, um, to describe this team. That was two weeks ago that we talked to Mike, and it's actually somehow gotten worse. So last week, they have Mickey Callaway screaming at the uh, reporter for the uh, for Newsday, who covers the Mets, uh, Healy, I believe his last name is, and, you know, saying get the fuck out of here after he said, I'll see you tomorrow, Mickey. Vargas threatening to fight him. Uh, then they go out there, and the next day Van Wagenen exclaims how sorry he is and how uh, Callaway and Vargas have both been fined. And uh, Callaway has the worst press conference of all time, basically not apo- not basically not apologizing for the matter. Um just to call another press conference because Van Wagenen didn't like the way that uh, Callaway handled it. About a half hour before first pitch in Philadelphia, 
to call all the news media back into the Mets clubhouse to apologize for not apologizing. So that was good. Um, Vargas not taking anything back, saying, hey, keep it internally. Uh, It's not internal, dude. You got fined, and everybody now knows what's happening. So that was great. And then they blew. They got swept in a four-game set. Three of those games they led by two runs or more in the ninth inning. Um, you know, you saw Francesa have a meltdown on the air on Thursday as Diaz gave up the home run of Segura. Um, you have Don LaGreca on ESPN just basically renouncing his fandom, saying, I'm not even going to watch this team anymore. You have Met fans calling in left and right, basically just selling their fandom. Because at this point, you keep saying rock bottom, and they take it to new levels. And Don made a great point on the K show. The Mets are celebrating the 50th anniversary of the 1969 team. And this kind of got lost during the off season and we didn't talk about it. Um, but Tom Seaver was diagnosed with dementia uh, and he was not going to be making any more public appearances. Uh, it's a obviously heinous disease and you can't blame him or his family uh, for not wanting him in the public eye. So the Mets decide to name... City Field and put it on 41 Seaver Way. That's the new address of City Field. And Don said, I'm not giving them any credit for this because this is 10 years too late. They don't do anything at City Field to commemorate Mets history. It's all Brooklyn Dodger kind of uh, kind of memory and nostalgia. And now you finally do it when the poor guy doesn't even know what's going on and can't celebrate it and unveil a statue or anything. So I agreed with that. I was like, you know what? That's a good take because the Mets are trying to put a Band-Aid on what has been a legitimate week from hell. But real Met fans see right through that and still know that they fuck up. And then the cherry on top and the real fun part on Saturday night, they're doing a... uh, a video service and talking about every member of the 1969 Met team and celebrating the 50th anniversary. And they put two members of that team, albeit seldom used relievers, uh, in the video tribute, uh, saying rest in peace to these two fine members of the team. Only the fact of the matter is, is that they were not dead. They are not dead. Now they weren't in the stadium but uh, again, can't even do the research to know which members of that team is still alive. So Tom's just shaking his head as I'm talking. He's like, I think you're taking some of this in for the first time. Can I get an instant reaction from you? <laughs> what do you have to say? I'm just Does it make surprised. you feel any better as a Nick and Jet fan? No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, the Knicks are right there with them. I'm, they, I'm, not, I'm surprised they haven't done something like that. But again, I'm not surprised. I mean, this is the team that auctioned off the... Uh, Mike Piazza, was it a bat or a jersey from the 01 series right after 9-11? And it wasn't for charity. They actually made a profit off of it, and people were flipping That's right. I forgot about that. Oh, uh, God. A couple years ago. That's cringeworthy. And then they ended up having to buy it back and re-auction it (laughs) off. Oh, my God. I forgot. Everything, every chance they have to do something right, they do it wrong. It's shades of the Knicks. And don't throw my jets into that conversation because the Good Vibes Tour has transferred. (laughs) <laughs> from Madison Square Garden. You know, they have something in common with 1969. They, they won They won that year, too. And Good year for New York. I haven't done anything since. And the Knicks, 
Did they win that year? Yeah, it was the 69-70 season, right? Uh, something like Before that. The, the next 72, one. Re- God, I wish I was alive back then, too. Damn. But nonetheless, I'm not. Not surprised by the Mets. Absolute joke. On the field, though, too. Bezos, you got Amazon coming down to Jersey City. You're going to be here a little bit more often if you're going to be at that HQ. Um, you're going to want to go to these sporting events. Why not just own two of the teams? Why not just own three of the teams? I was just going to say, you can, you can own the, the Jets too. too. Yeah. I just can't see Bezos being any worse than these three owners. I can't. It's hard to get any, imagine anything worse. The last thing I'll say about the Mets on the field, um, I think that now is officially the time where we can call the Cano and Diaz trade a complete and utter flop. Good effort. Good. Not effort. really. <laughs> Good. A- well, they shouldn't have traded the blue chip prospect, but I don't know. I, I don't but know. We have the future stars game on Sunday, so the Mets fans can watch him from afar. Yeah, absolutely. They can see what could have been. And Alonzo will be in the home run derby, as which well is really awesome fun. Game. And that'll be fun. Um, I hope he wins real fast. I don't know if you. It was kind of clouded yesterday, obviously, by the NBA, but. This is not a Yankee homer thing. How the hell is Glaber Torres not an all-star? He's hitting 295 with 19 homers and 58 RBIs. He's not even a reserve. Luke Voigt, not even a reserve? Really? Well, you know, sometimes there's injuries. Some guys don't show up. So I think that find... was a lot of anti-Yankee bias. Yeah, well, maybe they'll find their way in there. I did look at the all-star list and kind of raise an eyebrow that I didn't see a few more. Um, a few yeah, more I, I mean, Urshela, you don't need him in there. and That's fine. Judge, uh, again, I love Judge, but... How the hell is he in this game? He's played like 30 games this year. It was a fan vote. Yeah. I don't know. All Do right, your research well, fans. That about uh, that about wraps up episode 100. This may be our longest episode ever, uh, ever, but it was well worth it. Thanks, everybody, for listening along the way to episode 100. Thanks to Will, Mike, and Mike for coming on as well. And uh, follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports, Sorry underscore Sports on Instagram. Shoot us an email, Sorry Sports at Yahoo.com. And as always, check out the website. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great night.